Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as we go through our new series, Redefining Success According to Jesus. We start in 3, 2, 1. Good afternoon. Some of you may remember these programs that used to come, The Money or the Box. Do you remember it? Let's say it together. The Money Box. Great. Now, the box is that which you are not sure what is in it, isn't it? But the money, you could see it. So I'm going to tell you something about the money or the box. And I'll be asking you to make a call, all right, at some point, all right? Now, let me tell you about the box first, all right? The box, there are some things that are not certain in them. This is how it is. Think about James chapter 1 from verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that your testi- the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So those are trials. Now the Lord calls you and the Lord tells you, you know, I'm going to take you through trials. But at the end of it, you're going to be mature. Now, I'll do it the way I did to Job. But there's only one problem. There's no guarantee that you'll be restored like Job. All right? So there's uncertainty there. That is the box. All right? Now, let me tell you about the money. You know, I used to think to be generous, I needed to be rich. I grew up in the Harambe system, which of course is a very nice system where people come together, they pull their resources, they give. But I think at some point politicians misused it because what happened is everybody would be waiting for the big man to come and give the big money, isn't it? And then everybody else will just give their leftovers and then the big man comes and gives the whole thing and then of course you vote for him and they go and then they steal and then come and give it to you again like that, isn't it? So that was the money. But those were the days of charity sweepstake. I, those of you who are my age remember charity sweepstake. Now, this was a charity organization. So it, whenever you buy a ticket, those who would go and buy a ticket, you didn't, you didn't, if you won, you didn't receive much. I think it was 3,000, 5,000, maybe maximum 10,000. So I went to the U.S. to visit, to do some ministry and also visit some friend. And as we were driving along the road, I saw they had this lottery thing. It was on the billboard. And the money that was going to be won was huge. In Kenyan shillings, I calculated very fast. It was going to be 54 billion Kenyan shillings. Wow, isn't it? That's a lot of money. And this friend of mine noticed I was just staring at it. Because I was thinking, I'll get that money and I'll be so rich and I'll be so generous. So quickly he told me something. He told me 99% of the people who receive this money from this lottery, probably after 10 years, they end up worse than they were. I got very curious and I got very interested. And later on, I was reading some of the statistics uh, because I tried to follow some of the people who had won and all that. So I I remember this guy, he was called Jack Whitaker, Andrew Jack Whitaker. He was 55 years old. By the time he won the lottery, he had 1.7 billion Kenyan shillings. He was already rich before he even won the lottery. And he won, I think it was probably 48 billion Kenyan shillings. That was in 20, uh, that was about uh, about 2002. He pledged 10% of his winnings to Christian charities 
including several churches which were affiliated to the Church of God in West Virginia. He also donated $14, billion, $14 million to, to establish the Jack Whitaker Foundation, a non-profit organization that provides food, clothing uh, to low-income families in uh, uh, rural West Virginia. He then, after doing all the nice things, he then purchased a Lamborghini and drove it through his neighborhood, throwing cash. And then he began to drink and visiting strip clubs, you know, looking at naked women. And on August 5th, 2003, less than a year after he had won the lottery, thieves broke in his car when he, was, when he had parked it at a strip club and made away with 545, that's just to translate it in Kenya shillings, about 45 million shillings. They went away with 45 million shillings. When he was asked, why did you leave such money in the car? He said, I can afford it. In January 25th, 2004, thieves once again broke in his car. This time, they made away with $200,000 in cash. In September 2004, Jesse Triple, his 18-year-old uh, off-and-on boyfriend of Whitaker's granddaughter, Brandy, was found dead in Whitaker's home in West Virginia, and he had died of a combination of overdosing of drugs, cocaine and all that. Then in December the same year, his granddaughter, Brandy, now herself 17, was found dead and cocaine and drugs were found in her system. Whitaker was later sued by Caesar Atlanta City Casino for bouncing $1.5 million worth of checks to cover gambling losses. And he said, at the end of it, I wish I had torn that ticket and never won it. He died in 2020. And this is this other guy, he was called Billy Harold. And when he got the money, it was like all his problems had been solved. And, and you know, and he, he donated some of his money to charity, he gave to some of his friends. After he did that, there was then the holidays. And people were demanding money, some were threatening him, some of course conned him in terms of investment. And after a year, when his wife left him, that was after a year after he had won, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. His son found him dead inside his house, having shot himself, committed suicide. And he told, before he died, he had called his financial advisor and told him, winning the lottery was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. But you know, some of you women are saying, those were men, and men do dumb things, isn't it? Uh -huh. Don't clap if you are near your husband and don't say yes. I don't want to be the cause of problems after this. Let me tell you about a lady, Carl Rogers. In 2003, she won 247 pounds, British pounds. She showered friends and family with gifts. And after she had done that, she decided to do some breast implants, uh, ladies. And designer clothes and all the shopping sprees. And then, in 2009, she was reported to be broke. She, just, she said, I just wanted to make people happy by spending money on them. But it hasn't made me happy. It just made me anxious that people were after me for my money. She attempted suicide three times, actually twice. She said that she was now ready to embrace poverty because she had lost all the money. She was working three cleaning jobs as a maid and had moved in with her mother just to make ends meet. This is what she said. My life is in shambles, and now that all the money is gone, I hope that I can find some happiness, she said. 
it brought me nothing but unhappiness. It ruined my life. The shopping sprees, the good life, the big house, the fancy cars, and all that money did not bring her happiness. It just cost her a lot of pain. Having told you that, that is the money. So imagine you win 700 million shillings and Reverend Gary as your pastor is given that opportunity to bring it to you. And so he comes carrying it. And you've been told that 99% of these people will end badly. And he brings it to you. And he says, Lucy, this is your money. Ladies and gentlemen, I want your call back. The money or the box? The money or the box? Yes, I can hear that confusion. <laughs> you know some of you are pretending. The money, others are pretending. The box. You know I will take the money. Why? Because I'm foolish. It said 99% and badly. I'll be one of the 1%. That is the foolishness I had. Thinking that if I have money is when I can be generous. And it was brought to my mind that I don't need to be rich, to be generous. Redefining success according to Jesus. Someone six markers of true success. A generous heart. We've looked at this. We've seen uh, the whole area of redefining success by Omar Joandi. And if you've been with us, I'm sure you can say this uh, just automatically. How Jesus defines success. The first place that Jesus defines success is for us to be a child of God. And then to be kingdom of focused. And the third thing is generous giving. He makes us children of God. He gives us the kingdom and everything in the kingdom. He makes us to be properly focused from inside out. We begin to find our security. He promises us that even if we are in trials, he will be with us. He makes us to begin to think about other people as just opposed to thinking about ourselves. And even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us our daily bread, not my daily bread. Because when I'm praying for my daily bread, I'm also concerned who, what are the other people doing? Are they getting bread? Can I pray for them so that they can also get bread. I'm concerned about the other people. We become aware of our surrounding. Even when we are praying for our own forgiveness, for our own sins, we pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are concerned about other people's sins as well. Giving and generosity becomes not just about money, but about time, about skills, about emotional, uh, emo emotional energy and all that. Now I want to ask you to do something on your on your on your someone outlines there is a question there i want you to take a minute and just look at it and for those of you who are watching us online you can get your online um uh, someone outlined from your online uh, gadgets but if you're not please uh, just leave those questions up on the on the screen so that those who are at home can also participate i was very happy that uh, in at least in the first service those of you who are online, you are participating even in saying the memory verses. I thought that was pretty good. So give yourself a score on the generous scale. How generous are you? And what are the criteria for your generous generosity scale? As you answer that, I will give you my sermon outline for today. I want to identify three barriers and blind spots that make us sometimes not to be as efficient 
in this passing or giving away the blessings that God gives us to the world so that they also may become children of God and that they also may be kingdom focused the way we are. The second thing is I want to see how we can over, overcome uh, by redefining generosity according to Jesus and not according to ourselves the way I used to, the way I used to define generosity. Giving generously to reach the world for Jesus. Those are my three areas. Now, these are the three barriers to generosity. The first one is uh, when we think that the ones which are outside of that circle is what we think or how we do it. But the inside is rather that inside is us. Outside is what Jesus tells us to do. So when we think we are generous, what happens is we stop giving. But we have to redefine generosity. If we think we are the owners, then we have a problem with generosity. But if we look at ourselves the way Jesus tells us to look at ourselves as stewards, then things change. If we think we are the source, then that also affects our generosity. Now, the difference between owner and source is where you think that you are the one who generates everything you have from yourself. Not just owning them, but you generate what you have instead of being a channel. So, barrier one, um, Jesus redefines success for us in Luke chapter, chapter 21 from verse 1 to 4 as is put there out for you on the screen. As you can see, this, these people were coming and they were giving all their money. The rich people were giving all their money and announcing because the Pharisees used to give their money to be seen and to be approved by God. The believers, we don't give to be seen and approved by people and by God. God has already approved us. So we give to please God. And so you see, she had faith, the, the widow. She had faith because she knew that God will provide for her. And so she could give. So giving here is about what it costs us. It's knowing that we are children of God and that he's taken care of us and that by faith he will provide for us. When we treasure Jesus as in his kingdom, where, where, that is where our treasure is because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When we understand the heart of God, when we're not just giving out of surplus, if you have one million shilling and you give a hundred shillings, you're not feeling anything. In fact, that one, you don't even sense it. You can just give it away the way Jack did. David in 1 Samuel chapter 24 from verse 18 to 25, he says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. In other words, if you give and it doesn't hurt, that is not generosity. If, it gives, if you give and it doesn't cost a dent, in your budget, that is not generosity. The widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7 to 24, when Elijah came to her and told her, give me the food you have, that was her last food, and she gave. Incidentally, as we were looking at the screen, the video, Martha, me, Martha Moody herself, sorry about that, Martha Moody herself, giving so generously, is also a widow, and she's been able to support so many people from her community that is generosity it costs her i don't know if she's here or any person from Faza. is any is she here martha she's usually one of us and the team in fact is in nairobi right now doing some ministry there and so this is how it is even in even as a church or even as a community you can actually be generous if the book of Acts tells us of how people like Barnabas, they went ahead, the first thing that happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them is they became generous. Because generosity is the fruit of what it means to be a child of God and to be kingdom focused. 
So we see people like Barnabas, they went and sold land to be able to give to the, to the, towards the kingdom of God, to the advancement of the kingdom of God. They went beyond just their income, they went to their assets. You know, some of you here, you've even, you've even been given land, you've inherited land somewhere in some rural area, and it's just sitting there because you don't want to live there, and, and you, don't, uh, you, don't, you don't plan to live there, you don't want to live there, but it's just sitting there. Why don't you just give it to the church? If not your rural church, give it to this church. We will start churches there and reach out to people over there. They gave assets, not just income, not just money, not just what they had in the bank. They gave it to the church for the advancement of the kingdom. The church in Macedonia, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, it says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They did not fail to give because they were going through trial. They did not fail to give because they were poor. They give, understanding that you don't have to be rich to give. There is no excuse for us not to be able to give. The second barrier that we see when we think that we are owners is that we don't, uh, we, 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 we kind of become, we, we, we become patronizing and we have this attitude towards God and the church that if you're giving, it's, it's about me because I own it and, and you even congratulate yourself for tithing which you know belongs to God. But when you know who owns your life, when you know who owns your salary, when you know who owns your business and your income and your possessions and your abilities, then you begin to realize you're just a steward who should be able to give of that which God has given to you to the church. On your, on your sermon outline, I want you to look at that and, and, and see where you are. Take a bit of your time, just look. If there's an area that you feel you need to grow in, just circle it. Just identify it and circle it. After this service, you probably could just look at it deeper or even with your friends or family and see where you need to grow. So just take a bit of, take a minute or so and look at it. I, I trust it's on the screen and you'll be able to just see for those of you who are online. Just identify areas you feel this will be a priority for me to commit so that I can change and, and decide on the actions you'll take so that that doesn't become a barrier for you in terms of generosity. On barrier three, when we think that we are the source, we, what happens is because you think everything comes from you is you hoard and, and you, you begin to get donor fatigue. You, you become tired because all of us are limited. We only have so much. Even for today, we only have so much. You begin to become fatigued, we, 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 even in terms of time. And we begin even to resent people who have genuine needs because you're like, now I have to give some more. And we get burned out. But giving generously as a channel is when we realize that it is God who gives us and he gives through us to other people. For some reason, even for salvation, God can bring salvation to everybody in the world. But he's chosen to give through us to other people. In John chapter 7 from verse 37 to 36, Jesus says, he says, it is on the last day. And he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. So we are enriched by God, and we go and enrich others. In Jeremiah chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 13, 
Jeremiah complains. He says, these people are going into broken springs. That is trying to get things from yourself as the source to give to other people. He says, those are broken springs. Dirty springs. But the real spring is the Holy Spirit who God has graciously given to us. Omar Jawandi, in this book, he says, as Christians, we are like electricity conduits. And our effectiveness is measured when power flows through us. Now, some of you know physics and you know how these things work. You know, if you, if you have probably a solar system and you want to have some direct, uh, direct current going into those systems, you don't go and use alternating current wires. Because what will happen is there's always electricity, there's always alternating current or a direct current that gets lost in those wires when they're conducting electricity. And what happens is when you're a, con when you're a conduit, and you are, things are disappearing in you and not passing, you're being ineffective. And here, Omar is telling us we are conduits. So on your, at the back of your someone outline, I've put there a table as well, again from Omar. Just look at it. Are there areas that are making you to be ineffective as a conduit of God's blessing so that you're not generous because of certain things that are happening to you? Just look at that table again. For those of you who are online, please, Make sure you make an effort, choose one, think about it, and see what you can do about it. This, this, this week I was looking at the newspapers, and it said this, thousands of youth are wallowing in financial distress, courtesy of easy access to credit, high unemployment rates, and a broken economy. That could be one of the things maybe you could be struggling with, where you're just in liabilities all the time. What would God want you to do about it? Are you being effective? There are certain things that God has given to us as he teaches us about this issue of generosity. Paul was writing to the Corinthians, that because our memory verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And what has happened is, as you all know, Paul had ministered in Corinth for one, almost one and a half years, one year and eight months. And when he was ministering in Corinth, a problem had occurred in Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem were having some issues and the churches needed to help the people in Jerusalem. So Paul had told the church in Corinth about it. And they had understood the problem that was in the church in Jerusalem. And they had enthusiastically pledged that they were going to give to help the church in, 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 in Jerusalem. During that time, Paul then moved to Macedonia on his way to Jerusalem to be able to, to minister to the people in Macedonia. The church in Macedonia was facing some severe trials and they were not economically endowed. In fact, they were, it says they were poor. But what surprised Paul is that when he told them about the problems in Jerusalem, they gave him cash. They just got the money and they gave him cash in, out of their poverty. Paul is surprised by this sacrificial giving. And he had told them about the church in Corinth. He had told them, in fact, the church in Corinth is so eager. They have already pledged to give. And the, this is, I think, when Paul asked the Corinth, what is this you're doing? How did you do it? They must have told Paul 
it is because of the grace of God. They were saying, the fact that I am breathing, the fact that I am standing, even though I'm poor, I'm going to give because I'm experiencing the grace of God. And so Paul says they gave out of joy and out of the grace of God that they had been experiencing. They realized that God had protected them. And so Paul here is telling the Corinthians, you promised a year ago, you've, you've not yet given. And he tells them from chapter 9, verse 1, all the way to 10, or actually to 11. He says, I do not need to write to you because you are already willing. But you see, willingness that has not yet been followed up by giving or completing what they had said is not enough. I always wondered, why does even Paul bother to follow the Corinthians? If they had pledged, if they were willing, why does he need to follow them? Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.